Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for Sunday morning worship. Thank you, God, for other people that want to gather with us. Thank you, Father, for the health, the time, the ability to get here. Father, today, give us ears to hear what your word says. That you would speak to us. We would be a people who understand that God speaks. And that we would listen. God, give us mercy in our listening. Give us humility. Give us grace to repent and to believe in Jesus. We ask for all of that now from Exodus chapter 20. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would please turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. That's page 66 in the Pew Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible with you today and you just want to grab one in front of you, we would like for you to. We think it's always helpful for you to be able to listen and follow along. The black book in front of you in the pew there is a pew Bible. It's page 66, Exodus chapter 20. We've been preaching through the book of Exodus. We started at chapter 1, verse 1, and we've been moving right along. And today we come to chapter 20. And if you didn't know already or you haven't read the sermon title in the bulletin, this is the Ten Commandments. Everybody in the room has heard of the Ten Commandments before. I don't know if you knew that they were found in Exodus chapter 20. But the Ten Commandments is one of those things that our culture knows very well. I think that's both good and bad. We are thankful that the people that founded our country uh, had um, an affection for the Word of God. And so they wanted to found our country, at least to some extent, uh, on the truths of the Word of God. And so the Ten Commandments was a big deal. You live in our country in these days and you will find people who know a lot about spiritual life. They may not be very spiritual themselves, but there are some, there are some things in the spiritual life um, that have carried over into our culture, into to everyday life. I remember uh, playing basketball, and we would quote as a team in a huddle, nothing spiritual about our team at all, uh, but we would quote the, the Lord's modeled prayer from Matthew 6 before every game. Uh, when I first saw that we did that, it was a little bit strange to me because we didn't really seem to do anything else that Jesus wanted us to do any other time in the season. But right before each game, we'd all huddle in our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Amen. Let's go. Let's go get them. You know, and I didn't really get why that mattered. I guess it was cool that we were praying, uh, but we 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 did that. And also, Jesus also tells us what the golden rule is in Matthew, chapter seven. You have Jesus saying that you are to do to other people what you would have those people do to you. Very simple principle in life. All good moms or dads or grandmothers have taught their kids that, right? Treat people the way you want to be treated. Let's let's have a better world and we'd be nice to people. Do you want somebody to make fun of you? Okay, don't make fun of people. You want somebody to punch you in the face? No, okay, well, don't punch people in the face and we'll have a better world. That seems to have carried over. Many people know that teaching, but they don't even know that Jesus said it. They don't even know maybe that it came from the Word of God. And then you have things like the song Amazing Grace. It doesn't matter who dies or how they die. Most of all, they're going to play the song Amazing Grace at the funeral. The song is really, really popular. Uh, you see this on every movie when somebody dies. And uh, honestly, almost when all celebrities die, Amazing Grace is sung by some great singer at their funeral. It's a popular song. And yet, I don't know if people listen to the words or not, but the words are loaded with great biblical doctrine. 
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And, and so many people love the song Amazing Grace, but do not believe that they're a wretch. Right? There's a disconnect there. Right? I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Right? Do you know that you're a wretch? Do you know that you were lost? And do you know that you're blind? And can you honestly admit those things? Because that's what the Bible teaches, and that's why the song was written that way. It's not that it's a good song, while it is a good song. But what's made the song so great is that it's true to the Bible. So there is a lot in our culture, in our lives, that are spiritual, that we don't necessarily see it as Lord God Almighty, King Jesus, over us, for the good of us, God speaking to us. And the Ten Commandments is like that. There's a lot of discussion these days about whether the Ten Commandments should be allowed to hang up here in Fairdale High School. Should the Ten Commandments be on the wall hanging in a Jefferson County public school, right? There's a lot of discussion about that. And people get mad about it. And people protest and people fight about whether that should be allowed or not. Well, I'm all for it. But if people don't know what they are and what they mean and why God spoke it and how we hear it and how we respond to it and what it does to it, it doesn't really matter what's hanging on the wall. And I hope that we're at least spiritual enough to know that. Just like, it doesn't really matter if you've got you a nice, nice, nice Bible named there on the front, maybe genuine leather so you paid a pretty good price for that. And it's this right there on your nightstand, just like that right there by your nightstand. That means it's, it's dear to you. If you needed to, you could just roll over Pull the light, grab the Bible, and it's right there in your bed, comfortable. I mean, the holy Word of God right there. But if all it does is sit there like that, you don't read it, know it, believe it, love it, if it's not supplying spiritual life to you, then I hope you understand what I'm saying. Then it's of no value, right? That Bible sitting there unread, unused, is not doing anything. Okay, I think we get that illustration. So I want you to hear the same thing about the Ten Commandments. While I hope that they are hanging in places, and while I hope that it is believed by those who would lead uh, political organizations or academic institutions or whatever, what really matters is what is God communicating? And have I heard it? And do I believe it? What we really need at Fairdale High School or anywhere else are people who hear the Word of God and believe the Word of God and are changed by the Word of God. Now, if it hanging on the wall is contributing to that, I'm all for it. But if it's hanging on the wall and nobody's a believer in Jesus, then it's, it's neither here nor there, in my opinion. We are to be people who understand God has spoken. And we come to Him believing, and through faith, God is changing us into His likeness so that there are people of God in the world. In Exodus chapter 20, it's where you'll find the Ten Commandments. I want to ask two questions today. I want to ask, what do the Ten Commandments tell us about God? And what do the Ten Commandments tell us about us? I'm not going to break down each of the commandments. We have done that recently in our church. 
Let's start reading at Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Now, that's just a little intro right there. He's saying who he is. God is speaking. He is the Lord, their God. He is the one who brought them out of Egypt, which we've been seeing that. And he is the one who got them out of slavery. God has done that. God is leading them out of Egypt and God has rescued them, given them freedom out of the slavery from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. God is doing that. And now he's speaking to them. Verse three is the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Starting in verse four is the second commandment. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Verse 7 starts the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Verse 4, sorry, verse 8 starts the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The fifth commandment is at verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that you that the Lord your God is giving you. Verse 13 is the sixth commandment. You shall not murder. Verse 14 is the seventh commandment. You shall not commit adultery. Verse 15 is the eighth commandment. You shall not steal. Verse 16 is the ninth commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And verse 17 is the tenth and last of the Ten Commandments. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear. For God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you. That you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Feels good to read the Ten Commandments, doesn't it? 
seems like we always live with, I should know those a little better than I do. The Ten Commandments are something very familiar to us, but we often don't know it. I wonder if you knew the Ten Commandments before we just read them, or if you just knew some of them. I want to ask today, what do the Ten Commandments tell us about God? They tell us three things. Number one, they tell us that God communicates. The Ten Commandments tell us that God communicates. You know, we live in a day where people think God doesn't speak. People think that God is far off. People think we can't really know what God has done. And I think that is not only wrong, but I think that is uh, embarrassing to speak in such a way when he has spoken. He is saying to us right here that God has spoken. He is saying words to us right here in the Bible. And it's not like just in 2014, this Bible just plopped here and we have to question whether it's from God or not. The Bible has stood the test of time and it has been around through the centuries. God communicates. You know, when you lose communication with someone, I don't know if you ever have. Sometimes you will stress yourself out over. Wonder what they're doing. I wonder what they're thinking. I wonder if they're okay. I wonder if they remember me. I wonder if they're mad at me. I wonder if they know me. I wonder where they are. See, communication is really important. If you're married, you know this. Without a doubt, the key to marriage is communication. Husband and wife have to figure out how to communicate. And yet, the Ten Commandments are showing us that God communicates. God has come to his people and has something to say to them. In chapter 19, if you look back up at verse 16, Exodus 19, verse 16, it says, on the morning of the third day where uh, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now, Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up and God was speaking. Folks, if there is a desire in your heart to understand God, to love God, to have a relationship with God, to be devoted to God, take great courage and confidence today and comfort that God communicates. We can know Him. He has spoken for Himself. I had my eyes on Val in 2002 in college. But there was another guy who had his eyes on Val too. And so I thought I couldn't talk to her. So then I graduated. And then through work, something came up to where we had to email each other concerning international student ministry on college campuses. And so for the next several months, I started to in. Gage Valeria on email. 
Nothing really flirting, nothing about I like you, just talking. Well, eventually it got to where I got bold enough if I could call her. And we started to talk on the phone. I never told her that I liked her. and She wouldn't dare say whether she liked me or not. That started in the beginning of 2003. And for the next 10 months, from January 2003 until October of 2003, we talked and talked and talked. If you can ask people that went to the seminary at the same time that I went to the seminary, I would be out in the parking lot, walking around on my cell phone like this, just in conversation with that. You didn't text back then, so you had to talk. And for 10 months, Val and I just got to know each other. When we finally got to go on a date after a long time of just communicating, it was a no-brainer. After one date, I came back and told my friends, I, I, I want to marry her. I had gotten to know her so well. Communication had done so much for us. You know that communication is important. You have seen many instances where something has fallen through or there's been a disconnect or there's been a problem or tension has grown or drama has been created for the lack of communication. All it would have taken was a phone call or a face-to-face conversation or something to work something out. Communication is important. The first thing the Ten Commandments shows us is that God communicates. Here God has His people that He has led out of slavery, He has led out of Egypt, and He's leading them, and He decides to start speaking to them. The second thing that the Ten Commandments show us is that God expects something from us. God's Ten Commandments to us are now binding on us on what He expects His people to be like. I'm God. I am your God. I am the God who has saved you from Egypt and set you free from slavery. And there will be no other gods before me. God expects human beings created by him for his glory to say God is the highest. God is the most. God is the best. God, you are above all God. God expects that we would never, ever come up with something else to worship. That we wouldn't get bored with a God who only speaks through His Word. That we wouldn't get uh, lazy with a God that we can't see in the flesh and think that we need a little golden calf or a rock statue or, or something to display to bow down to worship that. He says, don't do that. Don't. In Psalm 115 and Psalm 135, you have God blasting the people that would do that. He said, you are worshiping something that has eyes, but the eyes don't see. You're worshiping something that has a mouth, but his mouth doesn't speak. You're worshiping something that has a, has a body, but the body doesn't have life in it. You worship me. The creator of heaven and earth. The one who loves you. God expects us to be a people that speak, that speak well, that speak a lot but that only speak in reverence of Him. And in our culture, we've gotten to where irreverent talk about God is everywhere. Every day you can hear somebody say, GD, every day, every day, even church people, you can hear somebody say, oh my God. And they're serious. They're serious about not worshiping God with that type of speech. 
We hear each other talk like that. And God has come down a mountain with thunder and lightning and fear and trembling and said, don't speak of me irreverently. And we watch movies and it's some of y'all's favorite movie where Ricky Bobby talks to sweet baby Jesus in his prayers. That's not worship. He don't love sweet baby Jesus and you know he doesn't. And then we say that with our with our joking. Sweet baby Jesus is no longer a sweet baby. He sits on a throne. And his enemies are his footstool. And when he speaks, it's like the rush of mighty waters. When we were in Ecuador, we went to this waterfall. It's, it's fascinating. It is so big and strong that when you're there by it, you cannot talk to each other because it's so loud. And that's as close as we could get. It's kind of a small waterfall. The Bible says that when Jesus speaks, it's like that. If you want to call God Almighty sweet baby Jesus, you're wanting to make people laugh. You're not wanting to worship. Then God teaches us that we need to be a restful people. And some of us think that we don't need to rest. We'll just buy another Red Bull or Monster Energy drink and it'll keep us going. We'll work all day. We'll work all night. We don't need to rest. God has said you need to rest. God Himself, who never sleeps, rested. He tells us we need to honor our father and mother. Just look around. All I see is dishonor to father and mother in so many ways. God expects us to be a people that don't kill. He expects us to be a people who don't commit adultery. He expects us to be a people that don't steal, that don't lie, and that don't desire things that aren't ours. What a fascinating the Tenth Commandment is. Don't covet somebody's house. Don't covet somebody's wife. God said this a whole long time ago, but it's pretty common today. The things he's speaking to. God expects the people that he made would worship him. He has told us that the reason why we made this is that it would worship me. For us to hear the Ten Commandments, know the Ten Commandments, misunderstand the Ten Commandments, defeats the purpose. Of the Ten Commandments. God has spoken to us because He expects something of us. Now, I'm not, I don't want to steal my thunder here that's at the end, but in case you're going to cut out here in a few minutes, listen to me. The Ten Commandments, uh, we're not able to fulfill the Ten Commandments. When I say God expects something of us, you're not supposed to leave out of here and think, okay, well, I'm just going to keep the Ten Commandments better. Keep trying. That's not the message, the primary message of the Ten Commandments. But one thing we do see about God is that he expects something from us. And when there is a healthy relationship and somebody expects something of you, you appreciate that in a relationship and it is your desire to do what is expected. Matter of fact, if you're not able to do what is expected, then the relationship's going to have to be altered. That happens in the family, that happens at the workplace, that happens in school. If you're not able to fulfill the requirements, complete the requirements, do what's expected, then you're going to have to probably take that grade over again. You're going to have to be demoted at your work because you just can't get the job done. 
And yet the Ten Commandments show us that God is expecting something from the people that He is Lord God over. So God communicates. God expects something from us. And then number three, God is holy. This is the clearest and most obvious point of the Ten Commandments. God is a holy God. The Ten Commandments are strict and tight. God is serious about us understanding what He is like. God has said that we should not lie. Think about all the lies that there are. God has said that we should not have anything in the world more important than Him. Nothing else before Him. Not a wife, not a kid, not a sport, not a job. Nothing. God has said that we should not desire anything of somebody else's. Not even their servant, not even their house, not even their, uh, not even their wife. We should not desire any of these things. Not even their ox or their donkey. And what we see here is that, wow, these are strict. These are strict. But when somebody is strict, and it's not bad, it highlights how good it is. I want you to get this for a second. The other night, during the prayer time, some of the younger folks signed up to pray at 1 o'clock. So I came up here and met them to pray at 1 o'clock. And we had one of the teenagers that wanted to join us at 1 o'clock, but I didn't know that the, your restricted license says you're not supposed to be driving past midnight. I didn't know that. And so I had a parent call me and say, we, we know that you mean well and you're doing good and we're excited that these young guys are praying. But uh, the restrictor license says we're not supposed to be out driving past midnight. So we're not going to let our son come. I said, that's fantastic. I, I appreciate that. I didn't know that. They, they wrote back and they said, uh, we look forward to, to being with you again soon. We love what y'all are doing. We love how, what's happening at church. But also, he's pretty mad at us. Does anybody in the room right now think they're bad parents? No. It's good parents, right? Yeah. When somebody's strict on you and holds a rule on you, right? When the police do their job and enforce you to go by the rules, we appreciate the police. Right? That teacher that makes you do your homework and next thing you know you turn out smart, we appreciate that. The teachers that let you skip class, don't hold you accountable, don't care if you do your homework, and then you're dumb when you get out of high school, we, we don't like those teachers. Right? Being strict is good if it's not wrong. And in God, it's the perfect picture of God showing us how strictness in rules are for our good. It is a picture of God who never sins, cannot sin, His perfect holiness. Y'all, God is awesome. And great and big and everlasting and forever and holy. Holy. 
The Ten Commandments show us these three things about God. That He communicates, that He expects something from us, and that He is holy. Now, when you get together and you're going to play a sport with a group of people, whether that be some pickup football or basketball or ping pong, one of the things that's always fun when you're playing with people you've never played before is, is what kind of rules do you play? There's all kinds of different rules. In, in basketball, it's like, either do you play 21, do you play by ones or twos, do you play by twos or threes, or, you know, do you play make it, take it, or do you not? And you have to kind of fill that out at first. And depending on who you're with, it could be totally different. In ping pong, now you're supposed to play to 11, but most people play, used to play to 21. And then there's rules like you can't lose on a serve, and then there's rules that you can't touch the paddle where you, when you're serving, and all of a sudden it gets, it gets really strict. And, and, and so, whose, whose rules are we going to go by? Because I, I like playing make it, take it. And some people don't. Well, how do we decide that? You see, the world has kind of made it where we won't say this about God. And we won't say this about God. Well, no, I, I'm a Christian, but, but I, I just believe this. I'm a Christian too, but, but I don't believe that. I, I believe this. Folks, that's a bunch of baloney. Who are we to start speaking for God? God has spoken for Himself. In John chapter 9, when Jesus heals the man born blind from birth, He spit in the dirt and took the mud and put it on His eyes, so He go wash away, wash away, and He can see, right? And there's that big discussion about how did this happen, and the man says, Jesus did it, and they're like, no, Jesus can't do that. He's a man, only God can do that. And he's like, I'm pretty sure Jesus did it. And then they're like, well, we need to go ask his parents. And so they go ask his parents. They say, was your son born blind? They're like, yeah, he's born blind. Well, how does he see now? You know what the parents say? The parents say, stop asking us. We don't know. Go ask him. He's a grown man. He knows how to talk for himself. They literally say, he's old enough. He's of age. Go ask my son. He's the one that experienced being blind, experienced the man, Jesus, to put mud on his eyes. And he's the one that experienced all that. He's the one that sees. Don't ask us, the parents. We don't want to get involved with this. Go ask the man. He can speak for himself. Is literally what they said in John chapter 9. Folks, we need to apply that to God. And everybody in your family, at your job, on your street and everywhere has a different opinion about who God is. And all of the opinions out there about who God is don't amount to a hill of beans because God has spoken for who He is. And whether you like it or not, and whether there's some things you disagree with or whatever, is neither here nor there. If the man speaks, the man speaks and we go by what God has said. And the Ten Commandments show us that in regards to God Almighty, our Creator, we need not be confused. The Bible says God is not a God of confusion. Countless times in the Bible it says, we don't want you to be uninformed. We don't want you to be misunderstanding. God wants God to be simple to us. And I submit here today that what is confusing is not God. But it is what we have made God. He speaks. He expects something from us. And He is unquestionably a good and holy God. Can't make up what you want God to be. He's told us what He is, who He is, and what He's like. First question is, what do the Ten Commandments tell us about God? Now, the second question is, what do these Ten Commandments tell us about ourselves? 
What do these Ten Commandments tell us about ourselves? Number one, they tell us that we need help. The fact that God has come and given us rules lets us know that we're not able to govern ourselves. When I moved here in 2003, I went down to the skate park downtown Louisville. I don't know if I've ever been there or not, but it's it's awesome. It is really cool that Louisville, Kentucky has this gigantic skate park downtown. It's really a good one. In 2003, when I moved here, in 2003, when I moved here, they said that it was the second largest skate park in the whole USA. Number one being in San Diego, but the second largest here in Louisville, Kentucky It's an awesome skate park. And I remember being out there and the city provides lighting, stadium lighting for the skate park downtown every single night, 24, 24 or 365 days a year. The lights are on all night. Keep kids off the streets. They're there. And I remember thinking like, this is this is really cool. And I remember thinking like, there's nobody here watching this. There's no teachers or guards or cops or whatever. Like, nah, self-governing. This thing's self-governing. If the, and the rule says that if everything, anything ever goes bad, then they're, they're going to tear it down. Well, I don't think anybody's going to tear down something that costs that much. they got a big sign up there that says, no graffiti, no spray paint. You go to the skate park and there's graffiti everywhere and there's spray paint. All kinds of other stuff. Don't leave your, on the sign of the rules. Don't leave your trash. No glass bottles. All these different signs. You look around and all that's there. And from time to time, the police have to be called to go to the skate park. You know, you know, oftentimes, self-governing doesn't work. For humanity in the world, self-governing doesn't work. We can't make up our own rules and what is best for us without the guidance of God. God has come and God has given us rules. That help. Think about what the world would be like if we didn't have the Ten Commandments. Think about what it would be like if it was okay to kill, have sex with whoever you wanted, and to steal. Just three. Just three. See, the Ten Commandments show us that we need help. We needed God to come and give us some rules. I want to ask you if you are okay with there being good rules in your life. And I want to ask you if you've neglected rules, whether your parents or whether God's or, or somebody else's. And would you admit here today that that's not working out on its own? That you trying to establish what is best for you is not cutting it. And would you welcome that you need the help of God? Number two, first is that we need help. Number two is that we are sinners. For as awesome as the Ten Commandments are, we do not keep them. I don't need you to raise your hand, but if we were going to raise our hand, if we've ever broken a Ten Commandment, don't raise your hand. But I would be the first to raise my hand along with every one of you all that we have broken the Ten Commandments. My little boys are in here this morning, three years old, five year old, six year old. They haven't been on earth that long, have they? A couple thousand days, that's it. They've broken the Ten Commandments. They have broken the Ten Commandments. 
For those of us that have been on earth for a long time, we've broken them too many times that we can count. Folks, we've broken the law in our city. You've probably been pulled over by a cop before. Maybe some of you haven't. But we break laws. We are people that with our best intentions still struggle. We are a sinful people. We are, whether we like it or not, at times we are a disobedient people. What do the Ten Commandments show us about ourselves? They show us that we need help and they show us that we are sinful people. I will admit to you that there are times that I've coveted. I will admit to you there are times when I do not honor my father and mother. Not when I was a teenager and not now when I'm 34 years old. And and you're in these categories too. We are sinful people. And remember that what the Ten Commandments show us about God is that God is not sinful. He's not a sinful God. He's not a sinful person. He's not a sinner. He has not sinned, cannot sin, did not sin, does not sin, will not sin. Yet we do. The Ten Commandments show us this. For as great, that's why, that's another reason why I'm always a little bit wondering why people are so big on the Ten Commandments. You ride around Fairdale, you see a lot of Ten Commandment signs in the front yard. And it says, keep the Ten Commandments. Well, because of Jesus, every time I read the Ten Commandments, I'm reminded of how many times I break them. So I'm not sure if, if that's a humility point is why it's a sign in your yard. Every time you pull in the driveway, you see that right there. Don't lie, and you're reminded, I just lied again. The Ten Commandments are to be humbling us. They're to be showing us that we are sinners. Most theologians say, listen to me, that the Ten Commandments have three main purposes. Listen, the Ten Commandments have three main purposes. One, to just be governing to society, to keep sin down. Okay? The, the Ten Commandments just make the world a better place. If there were no Ten Commandments, things would be worse. The second is to show us how God wants us to live. If you want to live for God, you want to obey God, you look to the Ten Commandments and they are showing us what we're supposed to be doing. Those are two of the main purposes of the Ten Commandments. But the number one most important main reason of the Ten Commandments is that it shows us that we are sinners and that we have a great need of a Savior. That is the main reason of the Ten Commandments. Now, most people have confused those. They think it's to show us how to live. But in as much as it does show us how to live, we don't live up to that. The main reason is to say, pick any of the Ten Commandments, see that you've fallen short of that, you've broken it, you've disobeyed, and think, I need forgiveness of that. Don't dismiss it, don't sweep it away, don't make an excuse for it. Say, God, have mercy upon me. I need forgiveness. That's the main reason. And so I want you to understand that we are sinners. And the third thing that the Ten Commandments tell us about ourselves is that we should be hating sin. We should be hating sin. After the list of the Ten Commandments, look back to verse 18. It says, now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were... Afraid. Folks, not a bad fear. It's a good fear. The Bible says over and over again that the fear of the Lord is a good thing. Not a scared to death, scaredy cat like a haunted house. Like, uh oh, he's greater than me. I ought to respect him, revere him, be in awe of him, listen to him. I need to know what he expects of me. 
I need to not go away from him. A good fear. He had their attention is what this means. And then they trembled and they stood far off and they said to Moses, verse 19, you speak to us. We will listen. But do not let God speak to us lest we die. The people understood that God in his holiness was too much for a sinful people. This is not a type of thing where we walk up. Hey, sweet baby Jesus, watch out for me today. I got you. We're cool. I'm good. What is that? What is that? It drives me crazy with uh, the Christian young people in our culture that think that type of stuff's okay. I hate that. When God came and spoke to them the Ten Commandments, they were scared, they were trembling, they were looking. Moses, we want to hear from God. Notice, they weren't saying, run, get away, I never want to see God ever again. No, they knew that God was good for them. But they were just so afraid of His power and His holiness that they came to Him and they said, Moses, you talk to him and tell us what he says. Don't let him keep speaking to us. That'll kill us. Because a holy God with sinful people is a big problem. Just like Andrew Berry prayed. There's no longer enmity between us because of Christ, but there used to be for those who have believed in Jesus. And it says here, they were afraid and they trembled. They stood far off. They said, Moses, you speak to us. We will listen. But do not let God speak to us lest we die. But then Moses helps them with this and he comforts them and he teaches them. He says, do not fear. For God has come to test you. How? How is God testing them? He explains that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. God wants us. Through our understanding of Him and His holiness and His communication and His expectations, those three points I gave you, God wants us to see that and say, I should hate sin. I should not be sinning. I should be aiming to not sin. I should be working to not sin. We need to understand Rightly from the Ten Commandments, that we are a sinful people that need God. We are a sinful people that need God. All of us are a sinful people that need God. The whole world is a sinful people that needs God. And if you're not thinking rightly about the Ten Commandments, then you confuse reality. Folks, the worst thing that could be happening to you or me with the Ten Commandments is... I'm a pretty good person. I'm just trying my best to live by them. That's the worst thing that could come of this. I'm a pretty good person, and I'm just trying my best to keep the Ten Commandments. No. You've confused reality there. You have not read the Bible the way God wants us to understand it. It's like my kids with superheroes. They fall in love with superheroes and... We'll be in the backyard and there's a tree in the way. We're trying to play soccer and there's a big, huge, giant tree in the way. And they're like, well, can you move the tree? I'm saying, no, can't, can't move the tree. We could cut it down. We're not going to move the tree. And they're like, well, if Hulk was here, he could. Or can Daddy, uh, can you jump over the house? No, nope, can't jump over the house. I can hardly jump over anything, but can't jump over the house. Well, if Superman was here, he'd be able to jump over the house. And until they grow up more, they haven't brought together that superheroes are just fiction. That's not reality. That's not real life. A tree in the way is indeed a tree in the way. A house in the way is indeed a house in the way. 
And folks, whether you like it or not, we are a sinful people who try as hard as you will. Some of y'all are the finest people that live in Louisville, Kentucky, and I mean that. And even you sin against God. Some of y'all are the most upstanding people in your whole family. And even you sin against God. And God wants us to hear from Him that He communicates, that He expects something from us, that He is holy and to be feared. And that we are people that need help. We're not working out on our own. That we are sinners and that we should be hating our sin. And we ought not confuse that reality. If you're here today and you're thinking, well... I never thought about it like that, but I like what you're saying. I get that when I read the Word of God, but where does that leave me? The Bible says that it is at that very point that God has provided Christ. Jesus is a Savior. Jesus died on the cross, folks. I love to illustrate this. When Jesus hung on the cross and died. It was for our sins. The Bible says that God took our sins, whatever it is that we've disobeyed, God took that and put it on Jesus and killed Him. And if anybody would believe that and repent of their sins, they'd be forgiven. And so the Ten Commandments are to us a tutor, a trainer, an instructor, A bright light to get our attention says, look there, look there, look there to Jesus dying, suffering, crucified, bloody for our sins. Have no other gods before me. Jesus died. Don't worship any created image. Jesus died. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Jesus died. Remember the Sabbath. You've got to rest. Jesus died. Honor your father. Jesus died. Don't kill. Jesus died. Don't commit adultery. Jesus died. Don't steal. Jesus died. Don't bear false witness. Jesus died. Do not covet anything. Jesus died for all of my sins. All of my sins. All of my sins. And boy, do I need Him. If you've got a Ten Commandments sign in your yard, keep it there. We need the Ten Commandments in our hearts and minds and before our eyes. Keep it there. If we can get it hanging up in Fairdale High School, keep it there. But every time you see it, thank. Thank you, King Jesus. Not sweet baby Jesus. King Jesus. Thank you. Because every one of these commandments I've broken and you are the answer to my sin problem. You're the Savior of my sins. You love me despite my sins. You've washed away my sins. Your blood forgives me of my sins and I'm trusting in you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Ten Commandments are so good. They're so common in our culture. But they point us to Jesus. May you be the type of person who says, I've broken the law of God. I've disobeyed my maker. But I know he loves me. And he forgives me of my sins. Because of Jesus. May you be trusting in him today. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20. Thank you, Father. That we can, we can admit that we are sinful people.
And that doesn't lead us to depression. That doesn't lead us to, to, to hate life. That causes us to look for hope, a place to look up, to, to turn from the darkness to the light. It causes us to see love and grace and mercy and kindness. The one who is a friend of sinners, Jesus. And God, I pray. I pray that today, as we understand the, the law of God, that we would be those who more than ever are pointed to Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.